0: Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama Two Four Seven. I am your host, as always, Cody Goodwin, and joining me today, as he does after every Alabama game, it's John Talty, senior writer from Two Four Seven Sports. John, before we talk about Alabama, I gotta ask: It's the week of Thanksgiving, a time to uh, you know give thanks. Also, stuff our faces. I need to know what your favorite side dish and your favorite dessert is for your Thanksgiving meal.
1: Love that question. Um... I think side dish I'm pretty basic in that I love some cranberry sauce out of the can. You know, it's the only time of year that I have it. Um, so it's a nice little, nice little treat. Um, dessert wise, like my mom used to always make like a a cherry cheesecake, which I enjoyed. I don't know if that's really Thanksgiving, but it's something that I used to have on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, you've got your pies. I like a good cherry pie, key lime pie, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. What about you?
0: How often is key lime pie actually on the Thanksgiving table? I feel like that's a very rare addition, especially, I don't know, maybe it's different in the South. I don't know. I think, I
1: think in the South, I think it's more fair game. Uh, our guy, Tom Green, who covers Oklahoma for 24 um, seven was tweeting recently about how he's going to have a key lime pie for Thanksgiving. So, you know, it's, and he's from Miami. So it, it, you know, plays down South, I think for sure. Um, I mean, listen, I can eat a key lime pie any time of year. Now I know it's more in season sometimes, but I think it's nice little tartness to cut through all the heaviness.
0: No, I like that. I cause I love key lime pie, but like being from middle America, like this will be my first, you know, Thanksgiving or holiday season down here in the South. So I, I wasn't sure what the protocols were because key lime pie, I think for my money, is probably the best pie. Um I, agree. Also, I don't I don't eat a ton of pies either. So maybe I'm way off there, but
1: Let me ask you this, like, because this is one of the things that I noticed that I thought was different when I first, you know, growing up in the Northeast and then moving down South, having lived here for, you know, 12, 13 years at this point. Like, what time when you were growing up, what time would you have your Thanksgiving meal?
0: So we usually started eating when the, because there's, there's there were always two football games, but now the NFL, there's three football games. We would always start eating at the, at either halftime, at the earliest at halftime of the first game. Um okay. but more traditionally at the start of the second game is usually when mom's like go get a plate. Was
1: that like like three, four o'clock?
0: Ish, yeah. It's more like uh yeah. like whatever the mix between like late lunch, early dinner.
1: Okay. That's a, that's how I feel like it's kind of what I did too. Um, uh, but I remember the first time I was down here and you know, was I've been a Thanksgiving orphan for many years. And so you have to rely on the goodness of other people to let you in. But I remember uh, going to a, a friend's for Thanksgiving, and I think like they had the first meal like eleven thirty. I just was not ready for it.
0: Um,
1: so that's, that's yeah, you run into that a little bit. Some people like to do it like eleven thirty noon. I've always been more of like a four o'clock, or if not later. So if that takes some adjusting, but it's kind of fun. Just you realize all the little traditions that you have that you think are just normal, and then you go somewhere else and you realize they do it completely different.
0: Yeah, Thanksgiving is different because it's like I feel like it's like a dinner meal, whereas like. Christmas and Easter, for example, like my family does like really big cinnamon rolls with bacon and we'll make some eggs and stuff like that. And we usually eat that at like nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, like for both of those holidays. And so then like Thanksgiving, like, you know, it's not weird to hear that people eat that early, but it's also like, you know, do I do I want like smoked meats and, you know, starchy sides like at 11? Probably not. But like if that's what people do, that's what they do.
1: Depends, you know, if you went out, uh, you know, as you know, Wednesday is a big night for people to go out, especially if you're going back home. So, you know, maybe if you're going out, you, you need some of that starch to kind of soak it up. Um, but, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, you know, a good, uh, good opportunity. Jameis Winston would like to talk about eating up wins, right? So, as people are eating their Thanksgiving, thinking about how they want to eat up a win coming up, uh, most notably the Iron Bowl, but some some big games coming up uh, this upcoming weekend.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, I think my favorite sides, because um, I kind of sidestep that. My my favorite sides. so my brother-in-law makes really, really good mac and cheese. Um, okay. So that's, you know, maybe it's a little basic, but like it just tastes really good. And then also mom makes a mean green bean casserole. That's mm. just delicious. I think my, I don't know if this is going to tie a bow on our food conversation or open a whole new can of worms. Um, my like steadfast food hot take is that turkey is just absolute trash. And so, even though it's like, even though it's the protein of choice for Thanksgiving, like, not on my plate. No, thank you.
1: That is a very hot take. Um, I, I don't think I can top that. I, I will just say that I respectfully disagree. Now, I understand the argument for it, but I enjoy it. Again, same thing with like cranberry sauce. Like, it's nice to, like, hey, I'm only going to probably have this like once or twice a year, and I'll just go all in on it that one day, and then I won't touch it again.
0: I appreciate the the cranberry sauce like out of the can like you made that distinction because like if it don't got ridges I don't want it.
1: Hundred percent, yeah. Like there's like fancy cranberry sauce, don't need it. Give me right out of the can, like just I want to like plop it out. Maybe you could slice it if you want, whatever. And then I'm just gonna pound some cranberry sauce.
0: Yeah. Like before, you know, like everybody takes the picture of their food because like your phone eats first. Like I want the cranberry sauce like still tilted a little bit. I want the ridges to stretch a little bit on the side where it kind of folds over. Like that's, I'm in on that 100%.
1: Cody, is that one of your life mantras? The phone eats first.
0: (laughs) It used to be. Now it's just like, no, give me the food because like I grew up a rustler. So Thanksgiving was always like, you know, I had to be like very strict on what was on my one plate because we usually had to do like our, um, like our hydration tests and stuff after that. So I usually had to be pretty close to weight. So I could never fully enjoy Thanksgiving, but for the last decade or so, like now I've, you know, now it's like, I don't, I don't want my phone to eat first. I want to eat first. And if I go back for a second plate, then maybe my phone eats first.
1: Well, I'm going to give you a great transition here. You, your, your, uh, headline was about how Alabama should not play if it's food against UT Chattanooga. And they did not, they just, they didn't, They didn't let the phone eat first. They ate first against UT Chattanooga, crushed them, uh, did what they needed to do. There you go. There's your, there's your, your, uh, your segue right
0: there. Nice little, nice little segue. Yeah. Alabama definitely did not play with its food. Um, Probably treated it more like dessert than anything. 66 to 10 over the mocks who also announced um, today we're recording on Sunday day after the game, the mocks are going to the FCF's playoffs. So Big thumbs up to those guys. Hope the quarterback's healthy because they're kind of, I know they got thrashed in Tuscaloosa on Saturday, but they look like they would be a fun team when they play teams on their level. level, So, so. um, you know, thumbs up to them. Hopefully that they, uh, they wrap up their season in a positive manner, Uh, but they came to Tuscaloosa and got their doors blown off Alabama. Now 10 and one overall, this was largely the expectation outside of just the fact that Alabama took care of business. Is there any sort of initial reaction to what Alabama was able to do or what do you think overall?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that sometimes it's as simple as that, but I I do think that, and I've been around for enough of the Nick Saban rants over the years about FCS opponents. Like there is something about a mature team just coming out, taking care of business, not letting them hang around or even have a moment of thinking they had a shot to win. And and Nick Saban, I think talked about that kind of before the game that like, if you're a player at UT Chattanooga, your dream is just to hang around for a little bit. And we saw, You know, later on that day, I don't know if you watched it, but, you know, North Alabama hung around Florida State, you know, went up 13 nothing. Like that is the dream. And so Alabama knew that coming in. They stamped out any shot of that happening right off the bat, you know, putting up what, 30, went up 31 nothing. Is that what it was? Um, Didn't give the mocks a shot uh, really from the very beginning of the game. So I think that was impressive. Again, we expected them to win. It would have been a bigger deal if it was close. It wasn't. But I just like that, especially the last two weeks, two games that were, you know, not as meaningful as the ones they had played previously, you know, all the potential things that are wrapped up in that emotional letdown, whatnot, they took care of business against Kentucky, they took care of business against UT Chattanooga, and now, you know, next week, like, they need to take care of business against Auburn. The Auburn is not a very good team. They just lost to New Mexico State and it was not close, really. If you watch that game, uh there, it shouldn't, you know, auburn Alb- should win by multiple touchdowns. They're just that much better of a team. Now let's see if they can actually do that and continue to show they can handle some adversity and some challenging situations.
0: Yeah. No, that will we'll touch on uh you know the upcoming Auburn game a little bit here at the at the end of the show. Got a few things. 66 to 10. There's never too much to talk about, but there is a few things that I thought were kind of interesting. Mostly just a lot of the young players that got to play. We also saw a bunch of guys score their first career touchdowns. Right. Richard Young, um, Caleb Downs. Come back to that here in just a second. Justice Haynes found the end zone twice. Robbie Oots. Nice little dive at the pylon. That was really cool. Malik Benson. um, You know, I know that I feel like there was a lot of expectations for him. I think he's only got like twelve or thirteen catches this season, but one of them went for a touchdown. There's a nice little route combination. Jalen Milrow hit him wide open, um, so that was nice. Um, wanted to bring back the Caleb Downs thing. I, of the very few interesting things that came out of this game, um, does Alabama have a new answer now at punt returner? It, it had been Kool Aid. He has struggled. We've documented that pretty frequently this season. Put Caleb Downs in on his very third on his third punt return. After a couple wobbly fair catches, um, does a fun little dance, remove and and runs 85 yards for a touchdown. Is that Alabama's new answer? Do you think it should be the answer? What what does this mean for Kool Aid?
1: I mean, I, th- I certainly think that Down should be the guy until proven otherwise. Right now, you know, I think Saban said afterwards, you know, in that spot in particular, sometimes it just comes down to confidence, and Caleb is confident, and Kool Aid's not right now. I thought it was interesting. It's been interesting how. And let me start by saying he knows way more about football than I'll ever know. So I'm not trying to criticize, but it's just been interesting how stubborn Saban's been about this particular thing. Where even again, I think yesterday after Kool Aid clearly struggled, I think Caleb, Caleb did a great job. Like he was still kind of defensive about it, he was still, you know, pushing back. And I don't know if it's just out of love for Kool Aid and trying to build up his confidence. In some ways, that would make sense to me, but it's just been interesting that he has allowed someone who is obviously a very good player overall for them, but allowed someone who really has just not made a positive impact. And I would argue has made really a negative impact at that spot this season, how he's allowed it to go on as long as he's had and still kind of defend it. But I think based on what we saw, I think you play Caleb Downs in that spot moving forward. Uh, You know, if he, as long as he can avoid the mistakes, which Kool-Aid has struggled with at times. And then if he can make the big play like he did, you know, again, it's against UT Chattanooga. It's going to be a lot harder to do that against Auburn, Georgia, whoever they play in uh, in postseason. But overall, I think you got to roll them right now, right?
0: I I agree with you. Um, you know, and it's just the dot. The, the struggles have been well documented, right? Like Kool Aid has muffed or fumbled or just not returned punts. He's had multiple negative return, negative yardage on his returns um, against who was it? Kentucky and against, I think it was. Was it A&M? LSU. Um, like, muff punts turned into points for the opposing team, right? And so, like, up until now, it had only cost Alabama a few points here and there. Like, I it was only a matter of time. It was one of those things where it was building in the back of my head where it's like, you know, is this going to cost Alabama a game? Like, it hadn't yet. But, like, you know, with Auburn, they're going to go to Jordan Hare. Weird things happen there. You know, they still got to play Georgia, who's a very – they're playing out of their minds lately. Like you know, a situation like that had only cost them points. It's it only a matter of time. I feel like before it was going to cost them a game or be, it would make a bigger impact on the game than it had thus far. And so, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Like, you know, I, especially because Saban's so big on, you know, when you get the opportunity, take advantage of it. And that'll open up more opportunities for you. Like I think Caleb Downs did that, like a couple of wobbly fair catches, but like he let a few go through the back of the end zone. Um, just, he checked all the boxes that I would think that Saban is looking for when it comes to his punt returner. And um, you know, he may not take any more punts back for touchdowns, but like if he can get positive yardage on those returns, like that can help. That's a good thing, right? Like that could switch the game in Alabama's favor, um, you know, in big moments coming down the stretch here.
1: Yeah. And then against a team like Georgia, I don't want to get too off the rails here, but against a team like Georgia, you're going to need every advantage you can get. And so it's not only about, you know, not having negative plays, but you're probably going to need some positive plays, whether it's on special teams, whether it's a defensive, you know, forcing a turnover, creating a touchdown, creating points, you know, they're going to need some different things to happen in that game in order to win. And so I think Downs, right. And we and what's interesting is that we've seen that from kool in the past. It just hasn't happened this season. Um, but if Downs is able to give you some of that, I think you got to roll with it. Um, and he's just, you know, such an impressive kid overall. And it's just, you know, been such a huge impact player for Alabama this year.
0: 100%. I'd write it. Just go until, you know, you feel like you need to make a change from there. Um, That would be, that would be, you know, my recommendation, I suppose. But like you said, Nick Saban knows way more about this sport than we do. Um, Caleb Downs obviously has played a ton of football this year. So has Caden Proctor. So has Jalen Hale, a true freshman receiver. Maybe not as much as the other two, but um, one of the intriguing subplots of this game was just the fact that we thought and we did see a ton of young players, first and second year players, see the field against Chattanooga, Um, not counting Downs, Proctor and Hale, who are guys that we have seen pretty regularly throughout the season. I counted 27 first and second year players, so either true freshmen, redshirt freshmen or true sophomores play against Chattanooga John I'm curious who were you most excited to see and who were you most impressed by um even in limited action against the Mox on Saturday
1: yeah I think I texted you at one point it was the Justice Haynes game um which you know again, <laughs> had, what five carries for like 40 something yards and two touchdowns but it, it was good to see him I've been a big Justice Haynes guy all year um it's, it was good to you know see what he was able to do and it's obvious like it's not Sorry for a lack of talent and just they're just really talented guys in front of him um and that's i think you saw that and i think you know you could add richard into that mix too two guys who clearly are going to be you know good in the future gonna have bright futures it's just there's a log jam at that position um and so i think it was good to see him and you know i, I don't think he is long for alabama but and obviously he made a you know A bonehead decision I guess but overall I like some of what I saw from Ty you know and I think I'm sure dropping it a millisecond too early is going to haunt him but I mean that was a damn good play that he made um and I think showed off what you and I have talked about in this show in the past that he's more athletic than people give him credit for um so again he's not gonna as he's putting together his uh video as you know other schools probably consider trying to poach him you know maybe just cut the last second of that off and just cut to black soprano style right before that happens (laughs) Uh, because otherwise it was it was a pretty good play and I thought overall you know you saw some of I think why Ty Simpson was a pretty highly regarded uh quarterback coming in so offensively those are I think two of the ones that you know jumped out at me and as you mentioned there's a lot of guys who you know got time and um you know but those from like just a flash standpoint I think those are two of the flat those two guys made two of the flashier plays that really kind of jumped out to me
0: yeah. I think the, you know, Ty Simpson finished, what was it? Four of six, 50 yards plus the 78 yard run. This is a guy who has thrown like not even completed. He has thrown 25 passes in two seasons and like part of the alert. And it was the same thing with Milrow, maybe earlier this year too. Um, you just don't know what you got in the guy. And it's kind of, you know, like it's fantastic that Milrow has taken off and become the superstar that he's become and, you know, I think absolutely he's he's Alabama's best player at quarterback, and can you know you can see the path for Alabama to potentially go all the way with Milrow. And it's because we've seen a lot more of them, I wonder though, and I think I've said this too, like there's probably a world where if the offensive line had played a lot better earlier in the season, that maybe like it's not out of the realm of possibility that Ty Simpson could have been the quarterback of this team. We just I haven't agree. seen a ton of them.
1: Yep, I completely agree.
0: Yeah, yeah and. Yeah,
1: it's a great what if, you know, and I think that's, again, I think it will be fascinating, you know, if Alabama continues to win, if they end up making the playoff, all these different things. Like I think we're going to go back to that South Florida game over and over again. And this was such a weird experience, um, especially, you know, knowing what we know now, but, you know, I think that was a good, I think it illustrated exactly what you're saying that the offensive line was just not built at that moment for Ty Simpson to be able to be successful. and. And I didn't think he played that, that poorly in that game. He wasn't great, but he was certainly much better than tower Buckner was, but you know, if there's. if how the offensive line is playing now, they were able to do that at the beginning of the season. You know, I, I always believed that I thought Ty's ceiling was a little higher than Jalen's now, and that might never happen. And we've obviously to go back to your example, we're now seeing the Charizard version of Jalen Um, I don't know what <laughs> Ty Simpson's capable of being maybe at his best. He's a Venusaur or something like that, but um I I think we are seeing a, a, we are seeing Jalen start to hit that ceiling, which I think is really high. Clearly he's, you know, been one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC this year, but yeah, I mean, I think Ty's going to be a great what if question and I'm really interested. Um, I don't say this with direct knowledge. I just say this as an educated opinion. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up going because I don't think he's going to be back at Alabama next year. Um, And just what, whether there's a, Somebody can build an offense around his skill set because I do. I think he's, I think you saw some of the, the athleticism, um, and those legs. And I do think he's a pretty good passer. I think if you build a system around allowing him to kind of do what he does, I think he could be a pretty, pretty high level passer. So we'll see what happens with him moving forward.
0: No, he throws a great ball. He, he sees, he reads defenses very well. Um, you know, and he's able to, you know, he throws with touch, he's able to rifle passes in there, he's able to kind of, you know, rainbow balls if he needs to. Like, he can do a lot of different stuff. It's just, we just haven't seen it. And so like a few small glimpses that we do see it, I think sometimes, you know, the fan base and even, you know, I get sucked into this. Sometimes it's just like, man, like, you know, if you, if, if the offensive line was better and Ty Simpson is the guy at the beginning of the year, you know, what does, what does this look like? I think, you know, the the comparison earlier this season was to like the 2015 team when, when Coker ended up being the guy after an early season loss, like, you know, I don't know if this Alabama team looks a little bit closer to that, but like, it's not unreasonable to picture, you know, if Ty Simpson's QB one moving forward, if the offensive line's a little bit better, I don't know. Um, I think I've been cracking this joke all season. Like he's, he he's. And again, I don't, I don't know too much about the roster of the school I'm about to name to know if it makes sense as a fit, but like, he just seems like he would do great at K state. (laughs) I don't know why, but that's just the school that has popped into my head over and over again. Like, you know, and I, 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 have little subtle moments here and there, like future, future K State quarterback Ty Simpson. Like I think it could work, and I think you know that's that's the type of an offense pro style with a quarterback who can be mobile. Um, you know, whether it's K State or elsewhere, that that kid can thrive in. Um, you know, and I hope we get to see it at some point because he seems like he's a good player.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to have options. I mean, we're about to, you know, something that maybe you can, you and Brett can talk about here in, in the coming weeks. But you know, right after the SEC championship game, you know, the the portal opens back up and. I think you're going to see, you know, guys like Ty Simpson, caliber, and also starting quarterbacks. There's going to be a lot of demand, um, and you're seeing, you know, again watching Auburn uh, last night. That's a team that's going to be in the market, I think, for a transfer quarterback. And I'm not saying Ty Simpson. I'm just saying in general. I think you're going to see a lot of. Wouldn't that be some schools? You're going to be. A, we got to add a quarterback in in the portal, you know, and so that's going to be really interesting to uh, to see how that plays out here coming out coming up here soon too.
0: Can you imagine Ty Simpson to Auburn?
1: I don't think he's going to go to Auburn. I don't, I don't want to get I don't want to get aggregated here. And uh, <laughs> uh, But, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, just big picture-wise, look at, like, you know, you look at some of the I'll, – here, I'll give you another segue here. Uh, if you want to pull it back to talk about more players, we can. But if you look at, you know, the top – eight of the college football playoff right now. I mean, look at some of these teams, Bonex tr- transfer quarterback, Michael Penix, transfer quarterback. You know, some of these really high-level teams are able to take that kind of next step with getting the right guy um, out of the portal. And so I think that you're going to see, um, again, whether it's Ty going somewhere or some of the other guys you know, in the SEC, I, I think there'll definitely be movement. And if you get the right guy, it can, it can really turbocharge what you're trying to do. And if you get the wrong guy, um, you know, you, you take a step back.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. It'll be kind of curious to see one, what he does and two, if he does go, where does he go? Um, you know, cause I think we're all assuming that he's going to leave. We don't know kind of what his mindset is. Maybe he wants to stay and battle it out with, you know, Milro next year and Julian Sayans coming in five-star quarterback, um, you know, plus like Dylan Lonergan's still there. We got to see him on Saturday. That was kind of fun. he, what two for two for 12 yards also ran for five yards moved the sticks like you know didn't get to see a ton of them but we got to at least see them which was kind of cool um you know to kind of tie a bow on some of the other younger guys we got to see i kind of exciting to see cole adams that was a guy that we heard a little bit about in the fall you know during camp didn't haven't really gotten to see a ton of them but like two catches for 11 yards that was kind of neat um played about 10 snaps we also got to see a handful of guys on defense like James Smith is a guy that's been in the defensive line rotation a little bit here and there throughout the year, but like got to see him play upwards of twenty snaps. Jeremiah Alexander, um, another guy that we got to see. Sean Murphy, that dude plays with some some juice. Like that dude's got Murphy hit was the guy
1: around. who stood out the most to me out of the young defensive guys. You're right. I think juice is a good way of putting it.
0: Yeah, like that dude, like him. It's it's very easy, you know, if Jihad Campbell stays in the middle, like Sean Murphy, Jihad Campbell as the middle linebackers you know, or maybe Murphy, you know, Deontay Lawson could very well come back next year. So then you got Lawson Campbell and then Murphy's kind of that third guy that maybe works in throughout the course of the year. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more of that guy. He was, he was fun to watch. Keanu caught, um, had a half a tackle for loss. Um, you know, he got to play a little bit starting in the fourth quarter. A lot of young guys got to play. Is there anybody else that kind of impressed you or caught your eye, um, to kind of tie a bow on this part of the pod? Well,
1: I guess I just, have, I think it's obligatory, uh, Connor Talty had a great kickoff, um, so I, you know, I thought, three kickoffs. <laughs> yeah, well, the first one, especially, I was very excited. Uh, you know, he really boomed that one. So, um, you know, I think he's got a lot of potential. Really, a guy to look out for. Uh, so, no, yeah, but it is kind of funny. I mean, like there was, you know, our, our friend Nick Kelly, you know, was obviously you know doing Will Record stuff, and um, local TV personality Rick Carley also loves some Will Record, and you know, Will riker has been so great for Alabama, and he's you know. It's such an important part that it is, you know, that that's going to be a big transition uh next year uh, as Will leaves. I think Alabama fans have gotten so accustomed to Will being so good. Uh, there'll definitely be some pressure on, uh on Talty, but you know, Talty's handled pressure well. So I, I have full faith in Connor to, uh to be able to figure it out.
0: Uh What kind of pressure will he be under? Will Reichard's now up to, so he had nine extra points plus a field goal. So 12, more points to add to his career total. He's now at 521 career points stands alone as the third most in NCAA history. Um, He's one point away from tying second place all time. And he's nine points away from tying the most points all time. It's not unreasonable to think Reichard could set the NCAA career scoring mark against Auburn next week, um, which would be kind of cool. I don't know, to get to do that in a rivalry game on the road. Yeah. Fun.
1: Especially, you know, Again, cover your ears, if, you know, as an Auburn fan. On the ten-year anniversary of Kick Six, you know, for a kicker to you know set that record at Auburn would be kind of a, a full
0: circle moment. I feel like, especially if they win, be a heck of a way to go out. I feel like everybody would be on the edge of their seats. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Kind of a streaky team, right? They started three and zero. They lost like what four straight. Then they had won three straight until they lost to New Mexico State last night. So I think what six and five, three and four overall going into this game. Um, this is a game Alabama is probably going to. I think they are favored by double digits. They probably should win this game by multiple possessions going away. Um, but you have said it to me multiple times this year. I even went and looked it up. In the last ten meetings at Jordan Hare Stadium, Auburn's actually six and four against Alabama. Um, with a lot of weird stuff that happens in those games, why is Jordan Hare the house of horrors for Alabama?
1: I don't know. I got. I would. I don't know if there's just been a you know a deal of the devil that's been made that it will always make it challenging. I, I don't know. I mean, it, I do think that having covered multiple uh, Iron Balls at Jordan Hare, like the atmosphere is like it is pretty impressive. Like they are. It's loud. They're very into it. They're very fired up. I do think that you know there've been a couple of times where Auburn has that opportunity to be the spoil to Alabama. I uh, think that fires people up. Um, obviously, when there's even bigger stakes, then you know there's even bigger atmosphere. Kickstakes was obviously a big one, but there been have been multiple um, where it's like winner could you know win the SEC their winner is going to make the playoff, or whatever it might be, um, and that that's kind of been obviously leads to a lot of juice. But yeah, I mean it's been it's. It's been a challenging place for Alabama to play, and there's no other really way of putting it. Um, They've been, I think, if you look at their last three, four meetings, I mean, they've been the better team, I think, every time, and yet the record does not reflect that. And, you know, if you go back to the most recent game where they won in four overtimes, um, you know, if Tank Bigsby just doesn't go out of bounds, Auburn probably wins that game, and Alabama doesn't make the playoff. And that was a Brian Harson team that lost its last six games and to the point where they tried to fire him after that year. So it was not a particularly impressive Auburn team, and they still gave Alabama all it could handle. Uh, so it, it's going to be a battle. Again, I, I think that Alabama is clearly the more talented team. um I watched pretty much all of the Auburn-New Mexico State game. And, like, again, like you're New a Mexico State.
0: They what? I said you're a sicko.
1: Yeah, well, you know, uh, <laughs> our, our mutual friend, Zach Kreglo, loves him some Jerry Kill. We've been, he and I have been talking about Jerry Kill for like 15 years. I've interviewed Jerry a few times. Really good guy, great coach. Was excited to see what he could do. And they just straight up bullied him. I mean, it, it was like they outmuscled him, outcoached coached him. Like it wasn't a shock to see. I mean, the final score I think was shocking to people. And of course, they were a 25 point underdog. That's shocking too. But like when you watch the game, you're like, yeah, the Mexico State's the better team. Like they were just like, taking it to them and running it down their throat. And like the play calls were creative. It, it was fun. It was really fun to watch just a smaller team come into an SEC place, get paid $1.8 million to do it. And be like, yeah, we're just going to throw it all at you and see what happens. And then they, you know, they won convincingly. Um wh- Now, is that a wake-up call for Auburn? Does that lead to Hugh Freeze breaking out all of his weird gadget plays? Probably, you know, I think that it'll be – challenging for Alabama to start for sure but it's kind of like what I was saying earlier about UT Chattanooga like I think you just got to come out and just take them out of it early you know um, it's like what Saban said recently about you know the fans and yeah you know, Kentucky like I think if you can take that crowd out of it early um, I think that will be big I think if Auburn hangs around then it starts getting a little tighter you get a little more nervous and, and that's when you know some potential bad things can happen. But again, purely on paper, Alabama is by far the better team.
0: Yeah, no. And I think they, to your point, they need to go in and play like it. Like they did it against Kentucky. Like they were up what 21 zero in the first five minutes, like that very much, whatever potential energy was kind of sitting in that stadium was just gone. Um, Same thing with UT Chattanooga, like just, you know, you're the bigger batter team, like just thump them. Um, yep. And that, you know, they need to do that. You know, I don't know that they need to be up like 21-0 on Auburn, but maybe they do. I don't know. Like, but if that's what helps drive the point home that you're the bigger, better team, do it. Like, do whatever you got to do. Make the opposing fans sit on their hands, like make them, you know, Saban told the story about how, you know, when they were in Lexington that a few players came up to him, you know, near the end of the you know middle of the fourth quarter and was just like, coach, like the fans are leaving. Like, and that was like a point of pride and Saban has told them about that before, not before the Kentucky game, but just like the fact that, you know, that is something that they are going to want to do. And they're probably going to need to do in a game right. like this. Um, you know, go do it, like go punch him in the mouth and do what you got to do. Like if, if that means Jalen Milrow's got to run for 200 yards and five touchdowns in the first half, do it. Like that's, you know, whatever you can do to just put this game on ice as early as possible. Yeah. Um, that'll help take the crowd out of it. Boy, um, This is a game that Alabama obviously needs to win in order to stay, to keep the train on the tracks for a potential college football playoff berth. Um, But to kind of wrap up today's show, like wanted to maybe take a big picture look at the rest of the college football landscape for the, what, third, fourth week in a row. Um, Nobody in the top eight lost. Top eight of the college football playoff rankings. Number one, Georgia, winners over Tennessee, just thrashed them. Um, Ohio State, number two, they won. Um, Michigan, number three. A little frisky there with Maryland, but they were able to pull away and win that one. Um, Four, Florida State. Lost Jordan Travis, which is such a bummer because he has been playing so well. But they ultimately rally. Yes, rally to beat North Alabama, like what, 58 to 13 or something goofy like that. Washington wins a thriller in Corvallis. Oregon takes care of business as well. Texas goes to Ames and gets a win. Obviously, Alabama beat the Mocs. What do we make of this?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think one, obviously coming up, Ohio State plays Michigan. So one of them is going to likely knock the other one out. So that's, you know, that's one of the big things coming up. Oregon plays Oregon State. Oregon State has been, as you said, they're feisty. I mean, they're, they're a pretty good team. That's a huge game. I think I saw Dan Lanning say that this is our Super Bowl, basically. So that's, you know, a big, important rivalry game that, You know, if you're an Alabama fan, you're definitely rooting for Oregon State there. I think one of the most one of the biggest things that happened and you hit on it, which it's obviously very unfortunate, is Jordan Travis being hurt. I don't think that we as of this recording, I don't know if we know the full extent. It obviously doesn't look good. Doesn't feel like uh, that's going to be a good result there. But I don't know the specific diagnosis. But, you know, they have two games coming up that are important. Florida, and then likely I think they're playing Louisville in the ACC championship. Without Jordan Travis, I could see them losing one of those games. And I think what we've talked about in the past is that Florida State, just based on their schedule, they did beat LSU, but the ACC is down as a whole. That like They have to basically go undefeated in order to make it to the playoff. And so without Jordan Travis, it's a a huge blow for Florida State, and I do think it makes them more – susceptible to possibly losing and louisville's been great um and they haven't really played anybody out there but still that's that's a tough team to play without jordan travis so that's kind of those are the big takeaways for me um i think the path is still there again Alabama has to win out just to have a shot but i think assuming you know ohio state michigan one of those gets knocked out uh you've got oregon and washington are going to play again um And then, you know, Bama beats Georgia, which would give it the best win out of anybody, like, I still think there's a a pretty good shot to make it. But it's getting tighter and tighter. The opportunities to move up are getting less and less. And it's going to take, I still think it's going to take some things happening for Alabama in order to sneak in.
0: Going to give a shout out to Bud Elliott from 247 CBS Cover 3. He's been tracking this stat, like, all season, it seems like. Top 15 teams from college football's preseason poll have played 108 games as 10 point favorites or more. they are 106 and two in those games. Like we're talking about how nobody has lost down the stretch here. Nobody has really lost period at all this season. And like you mentioned, you know, Ohio state, Michigan, that'll solve one piece of the puzzle. um, You know, Washington, Oregon are on track to play again. Alabama's got to beat Georgia. Like that's literally the first part of this equation. Alabama's got to run the table. Um, have you ever seen a season like this? I feel like this is, this, this doesn't happen.
1: It doesn't. I mean, it's, it's, it does not happen. Um, Cause again, there's still a shot in which, you know, you'd have four, potentially four undefeated conference champions, um, which has not happened. Um, you know, during the playoff, either so it, it's it's unique, um, and it's again we've talked about it previously on this show, but it does feel like the year you kind of wish the playoff was happening, the expanded playoff was happening this year, just because there you know there are ten or so legit teams that I think would be really fun to watch in the playoff. You add in you know Tulane or whatever the the highest ranked group uh, of five team is, and I think you'd have like a really fun playoff. Um, unfortunately, that's not happening this year. We get that next year, but I mean, just think about this if Bama you know, ends up winning out and Georgia loses, it'd be Georgia's first loss since Alabama uh, in the SEC championship game in 2021. So a team that's won back-to-back national championships has only lost potentially one game um, in the SEC championship could be left out. And that's a team that pretty much always would have made it in the past. And that just speaks to the margin of error for everybody that you, know, you, you can't afford a loss really, but no one's losing even in spite of that. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, it's unique. And, you know, in the past we talked about how does the SEC get multiple teams in now? It's just like, how does the SEC get in period? Um, yeah. Cause I think if, you know, Bama, Bama beats Georgia, you would assume the SEC will get in. It has always made the playoffs since it started in 2014, but there is probably as we've talked about in the past, a doomsday scenario in which the SEC gets left out if Alabama beats Georgia, which again, would be crazy. And I know that, Greg Sankey and everybody else will be stumping hard for them to get in. Um, But it's, it's not fully in their control, which is just generally unique from what we've seen from the playoffs. And it's, you know, coming up on a decade or so of it at this point.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's really bizarre. You mentioned Ohio state, Michigan, they play this next week. A couple other games to keep in mind, Florida state without Jordan Travis moving forward. Although that backup looked like he, it was North Alabama. So we'll see what happens when they play Florida this weekend, for example, but Florida state's got Florida and then presumably Louisville in the ACC championship game. Oregon's got Oregon state. Then they'll play Washington again. Um, assuming they take her business, I guess that last pac 12 championship spot is still kind of on the table. And then Texas has, they have Texas tech at home, and then they're going to get either Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, or K state. Neither of those three teams play each other. I don't know what the big 12 tiebreaker is. They seem to change it every week. Um, I was right. trying just
1: reading about it. It kind of just hurt my head. So I just stopped. I don't know. I'll, somebody else can figure out how that's going to work out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I think if you're an Alabama fan, I think you probably want them to play Oklahoma again, right? You know, and just that's at least a team that's proven it can beat them.
0: Uh, I don't know. A lot of different scenarios here at play. Um, so while no dominoes have fallen for Alabama yet, um, it could be an eventful two weeks or similar to what it's been for the last what, two or three weeks, there could be absolutely nothing that happens, um, which I guess is, you know, we'll all tune in and figure out what in the world it is. Um, that's really all I had for today's show, John. You got anything else?
1: No. I mean, again, I'm, you know, it's, we uh, have seen the last home game uh, for Alabama this year um, and now you've got Two, two road trips, you know, one's a full road game, one's just SC championship. But this is kind of, it's make or break time. You know, this is where the Alabama has survived this gauntlet, um, where it felt like it could wobble off the tracks at any moment. They made it through. They're here where we thought they were going to be to start the season. Now it's time to deliver. Um, and it's, you know, a huge, huge week, you know, I think with Auburn and then, you know, trying to not only win, but come out of that game healthy against a Georgia team that, you know, I watched again yesterday and I mean, they, to me, they are the best team in the country and I don't think it's that close right now. Um, They, the way they have things cooking, the way Carson Beck is looking right now, it's gonna be tough. So we'll talk about that next week uh, potentially, but that's, that's, it's a big test ahead.
0: Yeah, no. And kind of, you know, to tie a bow on this before we sign off, like Georgia, Alabama, kind of similar trajectories, like there were, you know, Early in the season, Georgia was kind of, you know, to bring it back to Thanksgiving, kind of playing with their food a little bit too much and not really putting teams away. And it's kind of like, is this the best team in the country? And then just November hit and they've just they've torn through everybody like a wet paper bag. Um, Carson Beck's have been big, been a big part of that. Obviously Brock Bowers missed a few games. He came back. He's a crucial part of what they do on offense. The defense, while not as deep continues to just make big plays in big moments like against Mizzou. And they just completely flattened both Tennessee and Ole Miss the last few weeks. Um, kind of similar teams in that aspect. When you take like, you know, the big 50,000 foot view of how these teams have gotten to where they've gotten. So that, you know, I know that there's still a week in between, but, um, can't wait to get to Atlanta. That's going to be a really, really fun game. I agree. That is uh that's all we've got today. Um it's the week of Thanksgiving, so we're going to be a little touch and go with whatever we do with the midweek show to kind of get you guys ready for the Iron Bowl. Um so be on standby for that. But in the meantime, Be sure to rate and review this show wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Be sure to subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. Guys, we have a Black Friday deal coming at the end of this week. You should definitely cash in on that, uh, especially if you're an Alabama fan. Um, Not a lot of deals like this for any sorts of coverage anywhere around the country, so you guys should absolutely jump on that. We'll be sure to drop links on our bama 247 website we'll blast those out on socials and you can probably click on the link i have in the show notes for every show here that'll take you to that black friday deal to subscribe to 247 sports um absolutely take advantage of that again especially if you're an alabama fan thank you again john for joining us on this uh post game reaction pod thank you again guys for listening and we will talk to you all again soon